Hello everyone and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed. Journalists, independent investigators, people like that disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world, and particularly mad at the government. The study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this, it means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy and as always let me some feedback on what you think about the show and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about the Publius Enigma. Now as I understand it, the Publius Enigma is an internet phenomenon and an unsolved problem that began with cryptic messages posted by a user identifying only as Publius to the unmoderated user. Usenet newsgroup alt.music.pinkfloyd through the Pennet Remailer, a now defunct anonymous information exchange service. The messenger proposed a riddle in connection with the 1994 Pink Floyd album The Division Bell, promising that the answer would lead to a reward. Guitarist David Gilmour denied any involvement, while album artist Storm Thorgerson was bemused. According to drummer Nick Mason, EMI Records were responsible. It remains unclear even to this day if the Enigma involves a genuinely solvable puzzle as part of an early internet-based contest or was a convoluted hoax. That question to this day has never been answered, satisfactorily at least. Now we get into the history of this case. During the 1994 Division Bell World Tour, Columbia Records flew a 194-foot-long 59-meter airship named the Division Bell between Pink Floyd concert locations. The Columbia Electronic Press Kit was released to the media along with the promo spots video consisting of interviews with band members, footage of the airship in action, and a segment which contained the following. Quote, a spokesperson for Pink Floyd is issued the following statement. You have spotted the Pink Floyd airship. Do not be alarmed. Pink Floyd have sent their airship to North America to deliver a message. The Pink Floyd airship is headed towards a destination where all will be explained upon arrival. Pink Floyd will communicate. End quote. On the 11th of June, 1994, a user of the anonymous Pennet Remailer service posted the following message to Usenet newsgroup alt.music.pinkfloyd. Here is the contents of that message. Quote, the message. My friends, you have heard the message Pink Floyd has delivered, but have you listened? Perhaps I can be your guide, but I will not solve the enigma for you. All of you must open your minds and communicate with each other, as this is the only way the answers can be revealed. I may help you, but only if obstacles arise. Listen, read, think, communicate. If I don't promise you the answers, would you go? Publius. End quote. A follow-up message clarified the challenge. And here is the contents of that message. Quote, As some of you have suspected, the Division Bell is not like its predecessors. Although all great music is subject to multiple interpretations, in this case there is a central purpose and a designed solution. For the ingenious person or group of persons who recognizes this and where this information points to, a unique prize has been secreted. How and where? The Division Bell. Listen again, look again, as your thoughts will steer you, leading the blind while I stared out the steel in your eyes. Lyrics, artwork, and music will take you there. End quote. 
In order to refute the ensuing skepticism, Publius agreed to provide proof of his authenticity. On the July 16th of 1994, he delivered a prediction. And here is the message, quote, To validate the trust of those who believe, as well as to reconcile the doubt of others, I have gone to great lengths to plan the following display of communication. Monday, July 18th, East Rutherford, New Jersey, approximately 10.30pm, flashing white lights, there is an enigma, trust, end quote. Now, very, very interestingly, on the night of the 18th of July, 1994, patterns in the lights on the front of the stage at the Pink Floyd concert in East Rutherford momentarily spelled out the words Enigma Publius. In September of 1996, the Pennant Remailer service was shut down by its creator over legal threats posed to the guaranteed anonymity of its users. As a consequence, contact to the newsgroup through the associated Publius account ceased. Subsequent Publius-style posts from other addresses have led to different opinions over the status of the Enigma and whether or not it has ever been solved. Now we get into the official statements regarding this case. During a 2002 web chat, guitarist David Gilmour said the puzzle was some silly record company thing that they thought up to puzzle people with. End quote. In April 2005, during a book signing of his biographical work Inside Out, A Personal History of Pink Floyd, drummer Nick Mason affirmed that it had been instigated by the record company. Quote, that was a ploy done by EMI. They had a man working for him who adored puzzles. He used to work for the Reagan administration. His job then would be to be in meetings with the president, and when Reagan would say, let's bomb these people, he would say, As that's not a good idea, sir. He was working for EMI and suggested that a puzzle be created that could be followed on the web. The prize was never given out. To this day, it remains unresolved. The prize was something like a crop of trees planted in a clear-cut area of forest or something to that effect. It was not to be the prize of some tangible thing, but rather a touchy-feely sort of gift that was more of a th philanthropic thing than something you could hang on the wall." End quote. The comments made by Mason corroborate parts of a previous interview by Sheen Heisler with Mark Brickman, Pink Floyd's lighting and production designer, and the man apparently responsible for putting the Enigma Publius message in the lights at the New Jersey concert. Quote, I think it really came out of it, though. It came out of some guy of Washington, D.C. that used to be with a CIA or FBI or, or something that was in the encryption game. Uh, he decided he wanted to do some kind of album cover, and he started talking to Steve O'Rourke, and I think what happened was Steve O'Rourke had in his brilliant mind that he was going to try something on the internet because he'd been listening to me and he got this guy because if you've noticed a lot of this stuff can't be traced to where it comes from and I know that Dave for one thing didn't even know how to sign on end quote Douglas Adams who was credited with having given the album its title categorically denied any knowledge or involvement and dismissed the idea of the band members being responsible quote what I said was that I myself knew nothing about it and had never heard Dave or Nick mention it and that it didn't sound like anything they'd be bothered with but I'm speaking from experience rather than specific knowledge everybody who writes whether it's novels or songs or anything at all that happens in the public eye knows that there's always a million theories about whether you meant V, W, X, Y or Z when you said A, B, or C. The only thing I know of that was added to a Floyd concert recently was a message flashed up on a screen from Dave's daughter Claire wishing Dave and Polly a happy wedding. That's an actual thing to do with actual people. You have to remember that rock musicians, however talented, are just a bunch of human beings playing guitars, like novelists are just a bunch of people who stare blaringly at a word processor in the morning and maybe trying to think of something that's a bit funny without being embarrassingly stupid. All this secret message stuff is just blah.
So as far as this Publius thing is concerned, I don't know anything for sure. All I can say is it sounds like nothing at all that the band would do. They're doing a serious job making sure the tour goes well and sounds everything like something that a fan with too much time on his hands would dream up. End quote. Now we come to Uncle Custard. The Pink Floyd magazine Brain Damage had a Q&A section reserved for a correspondent known only as Uncle Custard. The name, phonetically similar to Uncle Carstud, was created by Glenn Povey, apparently an allusion to Nick Mason's passion for auto racing. Issue number 34 of the magazine contains the following. Question. Who is Publius Enigma? What is the meaning of it all? And what is the treasure to be had? Answer. Uncle Custard. As the infamous Q has emphasized, you humans are so limited. This is a project for all those out there with higher IQs. It does require a mastery of diverse languages along with a lot of spare time. Now get with it. The lights were brighter, the meaning is worn inside out, the bell is tolled, and the surrogate band is coming back to life. The answer lies non-linary, being the paradox of the theme of the division bell, communication breakdown, hint, Watch the Learning to Fly video. It may also involve an anomaly in this time-space continuum. There is an obvious solution, and you do not need to be a Floyd historian to figure it out. Winners will receive official entry into the Mensa Society and some dry eyes to cool down all those neural pathways in your brain. It is important to note that neither I nor anyone involved with this design will enter into any correspondence on this topic. It's a puzzle for you, devised by the ones who love you, enough to drive you mad. Basically, I'm much too busy creating crop circles and executing think tank projects for the Pentagon, end quote. Although the answers given by Uncle Custard over the years have all been written by several different people affiliated with the magazine, this particular response has been attributed to former editor and final publisher of the printed version of Brain Damage, Jeff Jensen. The accuracy of the contents of this answer, and under what authority of any Jensen had to produce it, remains unclear. To this day... Nobody knows whether there was anything behind all of this, or if it was all just a hoax. With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions that still remain unanswered. Please rate the show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time, next on Unanswered Questions. The Alphabet Murders, which is also known as the Double Initial Murders, which are an unsolved series of child murders which occurred between 1971 and 1973 in Rochester, New York. 